Hey everybody, Matt, Jess and Dave here. Sorry Jess, just butting in quickly to let the listeners know that I'm going to be in Sydney uh, this week coming up the 8th to the 12th of May and uh, you can get tickets now via mattsfieldcomedy.com then going straight to Brisbane on the 16th to the 19th. So tickets for my show Dry Dryer. In Sydney and Melbourne. Sorry, Matt, I'll just cut you off there. I just need to tell everyone that our quiz show, our web series is out right now. Do go on the quiz show. You can see it on Stupid Old Channel for free on YouTube. Type in, do go on the quiz show, and you can see three episodes right now covering topics like Google, Queen Victoria, the Olympics, and we've got five more episodes coming up. So like and subscribe, whatever that means. They are big topics too. And I said Sydney and Melbourne. I meant Sydney and Brisbane. Anyway, let's get on with the show. I'm still here too. (laughs) Oh, hey, Jess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hey, Dave. Hey, Jess. How good is it to be alive? Quick question that was. Don't have to answer it now. Have a think about it. Mm, I'll mull on it. Yeah, I need time. Is there a multiple choice? Uh, yeah. Or? No. Okay. Huh. It's A or B type scenario. Okay. I'll think about it. Yeah or no? Uh, Jess, do you have anything you want to say? Well, I think I'm leaning towards no, because personally, I wish I was never born. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. You've done so much with your life. What have I done? List it from 1990 onwards. Okay. You were born? Yes. That bit you wish never happened. Uh, I wish that never happened. From there, you grew into a child. Yes. And then I think from there, an adult. I was and a teen in between. What teen in between? I mean, that's, <laughs> a, that's a three things now. Wow. And that brings us up. To the present day. I have packed a lot in. You're right. <laughs> maybe I, maybe I, it is good to be alive. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm still thinking that. about it. <laughs> I'm thinking about going with option C, all of the above. Oh, yeah. wow. Sometimes good, sometimes not that, so good. Now that's life. Life's that's a roller coaster. Hey, life's a highway, if you ask me. <laughs> I'm going to ride it all night long. <laughs> now, Matt, what, what are we doing here? What is this show? This show is called Do Go On, and it's all about- Little things. Yeah. yeah. Little stories. Stories. Sometimes big stories. Sometimes. We've done World War One. Not this week. No. We're going for a small story this week, It's a we? little story. Good one. Oh, I can't wait to find out what it is. So, the way it works is one of the three of us uh, picks a topic or sometimes uh, the patrons vote for a topic, usually suggested by a listener. We go away. We research that topic. We write up a little report about it. Sometimes, uh, like last week, 
too big of a report. (laughs) (laughs) And then we bring it back and tell the other two all about what we have learnt while they kind of interrupt and uh, make tedious sort of dog shit riffs Mm. and ask questions that probably make some people annoyed. Yeah. And uh, this week Jess is doing the report. And we always get onto the topic with a question. Jess, what's your question this week? My question is, what group of people are known for their catchphrase, extra, extra? Paper boys. Is that right? No, extra, extra. <gasps> pepperoni boys. Extra pepperoni. Dave, I'd jump in if I were you. Is extra, it Wrigley's extra, extra gum? It is not. Okay. I thought because Matt's basically got it, but I- I could have been a tedious dickhead and been like, it's not quite the word. Newspaper boy? Mm. Newspaper salesman. Take out the paper. Newsboy. Newsboy. Dave got it. Well done, Dave. (laughs) I got him one. Newsboy. Newsboy. Which are essentially newspaper boys. What kind of person? Newsboy. Newsboy. I don't think I've ever- I feel like I've, I've only ever heard them called paper boys. Or am I thinking of boys made of paper? You're thinking of boys made of paper, oh, yes. Damn it. That's and not look, what we're talking about? It could be, you know, maybe in Australia we would have called them paper boys. And this story is set in the US of A. Oh, is the A for Australia? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a report about newsboys, specifically the newsboy strike of 1899. Wow, okay. Whoa. It's been suggested by quite a few people. Um, it's been suggested by- Sorry, can I stop you there right there? i got a dog shit riff. Um, <laughs> is US of A, is that us of Australia? Okay, go on. And yes. <laughs> um, so, the, the newsboy strike has been suggested <laughs> by Sarah McLagan from Edinburgh. Sarah McLagan? Yes. Fantastic. JJ Grayson from Glasgow. I Betsy. JJ Grayson in any other room would have the best name, but he's come straight after Jesse McGlagan. Sarah. Um, Her sister, too. Mm-hmm. Betsy uh, Nutitelli from West Sacramento. Well, welcome to Telly, Betsy. <laughs> Meg from Norwich. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Come on, you can't stop now. I'm Meg from Norwich. Beautiful part of the world. Good on you, Meg. <laughs> Hope you like egg. Your name sounds like one. Barbara Gordon from Vancouver. <laughs> Barbara Gordon. <laughs> and a Barbara Gordon to you Barbara too. Barbara Gordon. And Daniel Spring from Philadelphia. Wow, so it's all over. Sorry, yeah. Spring this step for Daniel. And um, uh, <laughs> quite spread out. <laughs> yeah, because you said it's in the United States of America. I've never heard of the Newsboy strike yeah. of 1899, but I hope they got what they want. And yeah. I'm going to talk about it for five hours. Wow. <laughs> it is your passion. That's my passion. I love it. I've loved it my whole life. And we've actually got a special guest who hosts a weekly Newsboy Strike <laughs> podcast with us for, the, for some extra extra facts. For people who skipped last week's five-hour episode, it was about the St. Kilda Football Club and it included a guest from a podcast about the St. Kilda Football Club. So, Dave yeah. was making a little funny riff there. Right. Matt will be explaining all of the jokes or <laughs> attempted <Yeah>. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> all of the references yeah. will be explained. Is you it- will never feel left out on this podcast. I ju- yeah, because there's a big strike going on at the moment at the time of recording in America with the Writers yeah. Guild. Mm-hmm. And the Actors. And the Actors Guild. Yeah. A couple of the two big guilds. Yeah. You're, you'd be a member of the Australian Writers and Actors Guilds, wouldn't you, Dave? Oh, yeah. No, I'm actually not part of any guilds. I want to be a part of a guild. I wouldn't mind being yeah. part of a guild. Should we just start a guild? Yeah. The I Podcasters Guild of Australia. Oh, that's nice. There probably is one, isn't there? Probably. PGA. We could do a PGA <gasps> tour. Exactly. Yeah, so we'll do our PGA tour. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be nice. 
The comedy festival, that's one of the, the majors. Mm. Yeah. Now watch this drive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Anyway. Um, so, Newsboys. We've seen them in old-timey movies. Absolutely. But I don't think we really understand how important they were to the distribution of news at the turn of the 20th century. Um, this is during a time when newspapers were printed and distributed at least twice a day. The morning papers were often delivered directly to subscribers, but afternoon papers relied exclusively on newsboys to sell them. Wow. They were usually – newsboys were usually quite young, some apparently as young as seven, and they were often from poor immigrant families. Some, in fact, lived in lodging houses that were created to help the homeless youth of New York City. And the first of these lodging houses was opened in the mid-1850s and offered a bed and a bath for six cents and a meal for an additional four. Incredible value. Over the time, they often incorporated a school as well, allowing the children to attend classes in the morning or evening, as most of them had to work to support themselves. I just thought that was kind of interesting and not a terrible system to get kids off the streets. Mm. Like in the mid-1850s, they were like, we'll give you a roof over your head. Now we don't do that. Um, Where do we put the roofs? Uh, wherever, like underfoot. Oh, yeah, that is a bad system. Yeah. That's not where they go. Sometimes a bit sideways. Oh, my you're God. like, that's a wall. That's a wall. Oh, a side okay. roof. Okay. Uh, thank you for the wall, but call it what it is. Yeah. Don't tell me that's a roof. Tell you what, there are clowns up on Capitol Hill at yeah. the moment, aren't there? <laughs> or whatever we call Canberra. Sometimes, you know, you know how sometimes rain's coming sideways? Mm hmm. Then that particular roof is helpful. Right. You're welcome. Okay. But that's not that often. Yeah. Could you put a roof on top of these other roofs? Yeah, please. But now how am I going to get in? <laughs> well, you make a smaller inserted roof in, on a hinge. <laughs> a hinge roof. A hinged roof. Oh, that's good. That's nice. According to allitsinteresting.com, newsboys and sometimes girls, but usually boys, had long made up the fabric of booming metropolises like New York City. Darting between carts and hanging out on corners, they hawked the day's paper for a penny. By the time of the newsboy strike of 1899, the number of newsboys had exploded, thanks to the recent introduction of evening editions, which people grabbed for their commute home. So they're printing even more papers. Well, like a, they third, need, a third run, maybe. There's a third run of papers. They need more newsboys out on the street. <laughs> Get those papers to the people. Um, so, how it worked was the newsboys would buy a stack of papers at 50 cents per hundred and then they'd sell the papers for a penny, one cent. So, they made a profit of half a cent per paper. Right on. So, you sell, what, 20 papers? You got yourself a meal? You got a bath? You got a bed? I guess so, but you also spent 50 to buy the paper. So, you got to sell them all really to make it. You got to sell at least half to make some of that money back. Oh, gotcha. You got yourself a hinged roof. You got yourself a gym. <laughs> but so, so yeah, so they're marking it up by, what, 100%. Is that right? Half, yeah. They're buying a half a cent yeah. and selling them for one cent. Yeah. Now, they thought about selling them for two cents. Ooh. Whoa. Making more money. Whoa. Maybe that's what this strikes that all about. That could have solved this strike a lot sooner, right. actually. <laughs> Um, this system worked for a long time. Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of gave the kids. The like kids obviously weren't <laughs> raking it in, but they'd have enough to potentially keep a roof over their heads and buy a next a, pa a stack of papers the next day and keep it going. Um, it worked for a long time. There were some short-lived strikes in uh, 1886, 87, and early 89. 
But 10 years later, in mid-1899, the newsboys would set off a strike that would have ripple effects into newspaper circulation and would inspire a Disney musical almost 100 years later. Whoa, Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason for this strike came down to the actions of two men, Joseph Pulitzer and William Randolph. (laughs) That's good stuff. What did you say? Prize. Pulitzer and Price. Great, great. It's good stuff. Edit that bit out. <laughs> Jess, start again. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. Jess, go again from the top. Then we can cleanly edit out that. What I thought was quite fun. But as it turned out, when Dave said, what did you say? <laughs> I realised, no, it wasn't fun. It was annoying. No, no, no it was just the uh, both of you cancelled each other out and all I heard was, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was my fault because the middle of my sentence interrupted the start of Matt's. <laughs> Didn't you know he was about to start talking? <laughs> what you should do is pause after every word just in case just he's in got case. an idea. And you never po- know. possibly have seven seconds after each and word he has, just a, in case. he has a really good sense of when I'm trying to build suspense <laughs> Yeah, too. that's right. Um, so, yeah, go from the top. Because <laughs> I've heard of some of these names, I believe. Can we go again? The reason for this strike came down to the actions of two men, <gasps> Joseph Pulitzer and William Randolph Hearst. Ooh, he's big. Mm-hmm. Paddy Hearst's dad. Paddy Hearst's dad. I don't know who Paddy Hearst is. I, so, I sometimes disagree. Paddy Hearst is the one who uh, had the term Stockholm Syndrome sort of applied to her. She made it a popular That's term. right. I don't know if we've talked about Was that. Was she kidnapped? Yes, is she yeah. the daughter or the granddaughter? Maybe granddaughter. Probably granddaughter, I think, yeah. And she ended up- So, um, it's a very wealthy family. She ended up being like, part, like she did some armed robberies and stuff and ended up- in trouble I think that's it. been suggested. I think it's in the hat. I think yeah, people. I have- think it's a pretty harrowing story for, yeah. her, for her. Yeah, really bad. We don't ever do harrowing stories. <laughs> no, exactly. That's why we haven't done that story yeah. yet. We like to keep it nice and light. Um, so a little bit about them first. So Joseph Pulitzer was a Hungarian American who moved to the US in 1864 uh, when he was in his late teens, where he fought for the Union in the American Civil War. And although he spoke German, Hungarian, and French, uh, Pulitzer learned very little English until after the war. He's sort of able to get by mainly with German during the war, apparently. So he's in he's in the US. He's there for quite some time. Still doesn't speak English. Um, after the war, he moved around a little bit. Eventually, ended up in Missouri. He worked odd jobs, spent his free time studying English, and uh, was a prolific reader. And in 1868, he landed a job as a reporter for the Westlich Post, a German-language newspaper. He became involved in politics, and in 1878, he bought um, the St. Louis Dispatch and merged it with John Dillon's The St. Louis Post, forming the St. Louis Post and Dispatch, (laughs) (laughs) which they soon renamed to just Post Dispatch. All beautiful names for a paper. They got rid of the and? Yeah, <laughs> post-dispatch. It was a hyphen now. Um, with his own paper, Pulitzer developed his role as a champion of the common man, featuring exposés and a hard-hitting populist approach. The paper was considered a leader in the field of sensational journalism. So they were going for like, if it bleeds, it leads. They were going for like big eye-catching headlines and stuff, which I find I didn't know that and I find it funny that the Pulitzer Prize exists now. Yeah. But anyway. That is so funny because what is the Pulitzer Prize is like for excellence in journalism yeah. or something. Yeah, and you're like, but, but he was a leader of sensationalist 
news. I think a lot of awards are just like he funded it at some point. Exactly right. So it's it's him going, I want a legacy, like um the the bomb maker who mm. does the Nobel prizes, and I think the Australian one is like funded by an oil oil baron. Uh, the, What's the Australian one? The Australian uh, media awards, what are they called the big ones? Quills. Not the quills, okay? Oh, the, like the Walkleys. One? The Walkleys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe maybe he was like, you know, another guy who just yeah. wanted to have a- It's a great rebrand. A legacy. If, if my work was described as sensational, I'd be pretty happy with that. <laughs> I just want to say. But mm. nobody will say it, Dave. Yeah, they won't. <laughs> they won't. And that's on you. you got to lift your game. Uh, in 1883, he travelled to New York and made an offer to Jay Gould to buy another newspaper, the New York World. Jay Gould had acquired the newspaper as a throw-in on one of his railroad deals. <laughs> ah, we'll, we'll chuck in the, the paper as well. They just Steak threw notes. in a newspaper and it had been losing about $40,000 a year. It wasn't doing very well, so he was keen to get rid of it. So Pulitzer um, negotiated with him and eventually um, he purchased the paper for $346,000. Now, remember, like... To put it into perspective, the kids are making are selling the papers for one cent, mm-hmm. and he's just paid three hundred forty six thousand dollars to buy a newspaper. That's losing money. It's big money. Yeah, the world, the paper, immediately gained <laughs> <laughs> six thousand readers in its first two weeks under Pulitzer, and more than doubled its circulation to thirty nine thousand within three months. So he really turned it around really quickly. Um, from Wikipedia, as he had in St. Louis, Pulitzer emphasised sensational stories, human interest, crime, disasters and scandal. Under Pulitzer's leadership, circulation grew from 15,000 to 600,000, making the world the largest newspaper in the country. That's amazing. Huge. Making the world the largest <laughs> no. newspaper in the country is a fun <laughs> It's clear to me because I can see I've, ita- I've italicised it. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I put think it into Italian. We're going to pull a surprise for that. <laughs> put it into Italian. <laughs> Pulitzer emphasised broad appeal through short, provocative headlines and sentences. The world's self-described style was brief, breezy and briggity. Ooh. <laughs> I reckon they that did not need that third word. No, but they're just like, He's keep like, it. We need it to be brief. We need it to be breezy. We need it to be, oh, think another word. Think another word. Briggity. Bridget. Bridget. Bridgety. <laughs> and everyone's like, well, I guess this guy's the master. Okay. God, he's good. One of his biggest rivals at the time was William Randolph Hearst. Oh, that dog. <laughs> so, Hearst was an American businessman, newspaper publisher, and politician known for developing the nation's largest newspaper chain and media company, Hearst Communications. He was born in San Francisco, the son of George Hearst, a millionaire mining engineer who later became a U.S. senator. Very powerful, very rich family. He enrolled in uh, the Harvard College class, Harvard. <laughs> Of 1885, but was expelled for antics. Oh, wow. Including organising massive parties in Harvard Square and sending chamber pots to his professors. <laughs> that is cheeky. That's a bit of fun, I that's think. An I think. Oh, yeah, that's an antic. I want to know, like, is it, is it a use as a full chamber pot? Yeah. Because that really changes it for me. Because mm. it was just an empty chamber pot. Thank you for this lovely gift. <laughs> Thank you. I needed a new chamber exactly. pot. I need to shit. <laughs> oh, you've taken that off the gift register, haven't you? <laughs> Lovely, thank you. Appreciate that very much. Um, it matches my upstairs chamber pot. <laughs> so, expelled from Harvard, Harvard, and looking for a job, 
In 1887, Hearst took over uh, management of his father's newspaper, the San Francisco Examiner, which his father had acquired in 1880 as repayment for a gambling debt. <laughs> people are just <laughs> handing over newspapers. So funny. That, it does feel like rich people in America are like are playing the whole country like a board game. Yes. I'll, okay, sure, you can buy the railway, <laughs> but I am going to throw in this newspaper, but- for an extra ten grand. Yeah. Oh, I don't no, want the electric company. <laughs> well, but, if you want the, but if you want the if you want the railway line, then you're gonna take the electric company. Okay, I've already got three railway lines. This could be good. <laughs> get the fourth one. <laughs> Fine, I'll take your stupid electric company. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that, which I simply adore. Um, in eighteen ninety five, William Randolph Hearst purchased the rival New York Journal, which at one time had been owned by Pulitzer's brother, Albert. Oh. Um, so now they've both got Rival newspapers in New York. One's the world, one's the journal. <laughs> that's right. I don't know why I specified American rich people. I think that's all. It's probably Australian rich people also play our country like a board game. Yeah, but it's probably like Boggle. <laughs> 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 it's off brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's not as good. <laughs> yeah. There's not as much good stuff. Comes in a plastic bag. Yeah. Doesn't come in a box. <laughs> It's <laughs> missing a few pieces. Yeah, it's We've got most. most of them. Yeah. They've made a lot of their own pieces out of cardboard. <laughs> yeah. And they say you can't tell the difference, but you can. You can. It's embarrassing. Um, so, with this acquisition, Hearst entered into a head-to-head circulation war with Pulitzer. In fact, Hearst played a little uh, – he played a little dirty. He stole cartoonist Richard F. Outcult, along with all of Pulitzer's Sunday stuff. Wow. <laughs> he he just, stole them. He stole them. Put them in a bag. A hessian sack in a black van. <laughs> just dragged them down the street. Now, work in this office instead. Okay. Oh. Okay. All right. But his reputation was actually quite good. What it probably seems like is that he was just offering better and they jumped ship. Um, Hearst, yeah, stolen is funny. Like, it yeah. wasn't their choice. He stole them by offering them more money and better working conditions. <laughs> I told you, what a dog. <laughs> he um, imported his best managers from the San Francisco Examiner and quickly established himself as the most attractive employer among New York newspapers. He was hot. He was seen as generous. He paid more. Um, and, yeah, I think just the working conditions were probably a bit better. And also a chiseled jaw. And he was hot. Mm, oh, my God. He was a hottie. Um, from this really interesting um, resource I found, uh, wikipedia.org, it sort of has like a lot of the history of newspapers, oh. which oh. you think is quite dull, but, you know, when you find out some of them are won in gambling debts and stuff, yeah. it's quite yeah. interesting. That's fun. Um, so, wikipedia.org says, the New York Journal and its chief rival, the New York World, mastered a style of popular journalism that came to be derided as yellow journalism, uh, which is, I, in, I looked up, you know, what the definition of that is. It says, American terms for journalism and associated newspaper that present little or no legitimate, well-researched news <laughs> while instead using eye-catching headlines for increased sales. So, they're not good newspapers. Where Do you know where they got the colour yellow from? Was it like the p- paper was cheaper or something? No, it was – I think it's like – I think it was like a bit of a deep cut. I think it's something to do with a, a – particular cartoon that was in one of the papers. I can't um, remember. I did sort of look into it and I think that was it. Bit strange. Was it The Simpsons? It was The Simpsons. Yeah. (laughs) So, The Simpsons started and a lot of people know that. 
Pulitzer's World um, had pushed the boundaries of mass appeal for newspapers through bold headlines, aggressive news, generous use of cartoons and illustrations, <laughs> had a lot of pictures, <laughs> populist politics and dramatic crime and human interest stories. Hearst's journal used the same recipe for success, forcing Pulitzer to drop the price of the world from two cents to a penny. Oh. So instead of increasing their prices like you suggested, Dave, they've actually they decreased them. Oh, my God. Can I just say that Pulitzer's World sounds like the world's worst theme park? Yeah. <laughs> Pulitzer World. <laughs> Come on down. See the printing press. <laughs> Ride the printing Ride press. The printing press. <laughs> Come up with your own catchy headline. <laughs> Even if it's not real, we'll probably publish it. Pose for a picture. So, and when you say, oh, is a penny a cent? Yeah. So, yeah, it's gone from- Two cents. So, to it's hard. Slashed the price. Yeah. Um, just to be more competitive because they're really in a circulation war. And, and all and all that really does is cut the margin for the paper boys? Yeah. Because they're the ones setting the price. Yeah, that doesn't seem- Yeah, I guess so you- So, they're wearing all of that. Are they still selling them to the paper boys for the same price? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's pretty- That can't be the way to do it. Soon the two papers were locked in a fierce, often spiteful competition for readers in which both papers spent large sums of money and saw huge gains in circulation. So, yeah, they're like by dropping the price, obviously they're, they're losing money, I suppose, but they're making it more accessible. Or if the other one's two cents and this one's one cent and they're essentially telling the same story as well, I'll get the cheaper one. So, yeah. So, they, they're just trying to get their circulation numbers up. Seems to be like that's the main thing they care about. Uh, also from wikipedia.org. Within a few months of purchasing the journal, Hearst hired away Pulitzer's three top editors, Sunday editor Moral Goddard, <laughs> who greatly expanded the scope. And <laughs> Moral. Moral. I've never heard that as a first name. It's M-O-R-R-I-L-L. Wow. Moral? Moral. I like Moral. I think it's Moral. It's a great I name. trust that guy. Yeah. Moral Goddard, who's a Sunday editor, who greatly expanded the scope and appeal of the American Sunday newspaper. There was also Solomon Carvello. Oh my God, another great name. And a young Arthur Brisbane, <laughs> who became managing editor of the Hearst newspaper Empire and a well known columnist. Contrary to popular assumption, they were not lured away by higher pay. Rather, each man had grown tired of the office environment that Pulitzer encouraged. Toxic work environment. Mm. You know? But he encouraged that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, And it's not always about, obviously, if you're leaving one job, it'd be great if the next one pays more, you know? But sometimes you sort of go, well- same pay, yeah, you better moves, work moves conditions. Yeah, you sideways, but there's better benefits in other exactly. ways. Exactly. That's me investing in me. They've exactly. got beanbags. <laughs> they got beanbags. <laughs> They're actually really cool. And a ping pong table. Yeah. And they have margarita Wednesdays. Yeah. And that's really fun. I get drunk at work. Yeah. <laughs> you so, worked in an office with a slide before, isn't that right? I did work in an office with a slide and we did have drinks and snacks on Ooh. Fridays afternoon, Friday afternoons. And I don't just mean like they'd put out a cheese board, like- there was a there was a bar built into the building and they would just bring out boxes and boxes of like chips, popcorn, pretzels, whatever, and you'd go and like take an entire packet of chips and beers and you could take them back to your desk. It was the best. And and we had John Farnham play at the Christmas okay. party. Yes, now we're talking. You know what? I, I'm probably, yeah, I mean, it's harder. Part of me would be like, could I just get my cut of whatever you paid, Farnsey? <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Could you just pay me a bit better? Yeah. 
They did pay well too. Oh my God, where is this place? It was a good job. Yeah, were you working for 1 800 Heaven? Yeah, I was working for 1 800 Heaven. Well, you call up, hello, you've got Heaven. Oh, well, great. Um, What's it like in there? I didn't think I'd get through. Um, oh, have you got those pretzels I've heard so is much Is my granddad there? <laughs> no, pretzels, damn it. Put him on. Put him on and get me pretzels. Um, anyway, so the two of them were soon going to have a shared enemy to deal with, and it was going to come from a surprising source: a bunch of kids. <laughs> That's right. Nothing. Nothing brings uh, two old rich men together like some annoying kids. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So from all that's interesting, they wrote, everything started to shift when the Spanish-American War broke out in 1898. Then publishers started charging newsies, the news bo- the, the, pa- the newsboys, paper boys, oh, newsies. 60 cents instead of 50 for their bundles. Although they didn't know it at the time, this would form the basis of the newsboys' strike of 1899 just a, a year later. So, they just charged some 10 cents more. Newsies didn't mind, not at first. The public had a massive appetite for war stories and the papers filled with grabby, exciting headlines sold like never before. So, they're like, yeah, it's fine. Buy this paper or you'll die. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, my God. I'll take four. 
When the war ended, though, most publishers lowered their prices back to 50 cents, but Hearst and Pulitzer kept charging the newsboys 60 cents for 100 papers. The moguls were competing with each other using flashy front pages and extra editions, and they wanted to save money where they could. Small, seven-year-old children (laughs) (laughs) trying to keep roofs over their head. They're like, well, that's where we can save money. What are you going to do? You're a kid. Yeah. What are you going to do? Band together. (laughs) I like this. That'd be really cute. That probably sounds really cute. I'd watch a musical about that. <laughs> what, what was the war that just ended? There was some American war the then. The American- Spanish. Spanish. The Spanish-American war. Please don't ask me any follow-up questions. I, know, I didn't know that had existed. Uh, just a quick follow-up question. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did that war entail? Who were the uh, combatants? Spain. Uh-huh. Okay. America. Right. right. And where to get the name from? Uh, you know these, you know, they, they just, they make them up. Yeah, right. The random name ball generator. War. Yeah, yeah. Like what's, <laughs> yeah. what's a ball? Vietnam War. Where's that? They've just got names, just World catchy names. God, <laughs> get some inspiration. It's all like, I think it's all based on like uh, astrology or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they get uh, names yeah. from that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Mercury rising. Yeah, World they War name two. comets and, and boats and shit. It's all the same right, thing. Right, right, History, it's all made up. <laughs> Before long, the newsboys started to feel the difference. Their frustration came to a head on July 18 when newsboys in Long Island City found out that a journal delivery man had been selling them bundles with fewer than 100 papers. Oh, wow. He's ripping them off. So, not only are they still being charged 60 cents, they're not even getting 100 papers to sell. So, they can't, how do they make any money? Mm. He starts cutting up the bundles with older papers as well, just like lesser <laughs> quality. Mm. Yeah, clever. That's smart. And also, if the kids- Essentially, like, the kids bought the papers. They had to sell all of those papers. If you didn't sell all your papers, you're just losing money. So, they're having to work late. They're having to work really hard. And now they're finding out they're not even getting 100 papers that they're paying for. Yeah, they start going, well, I'm getting through these real quick. And then realize they're only getting bundles of three. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Hang on. Something doesn't add up here. I'm getting really good at this. <laughs> so, they've, they discover that he's- He's he's not giving them the full 100. So, a group of furious newsboys tipped over his wagon and oh. stole his papers. Energised and encouraged, the newsboys decided to tackle a much bigger injustice, the price of their bundles. So, on July 19, it's the next day, the newsboys gathered in Manhattan City Hall Park to form a union, they demanded that Hearst and Pulitzer reduce the price of newspaper bundles back to 50 cents, and the newsboys declared that they would not buy the world or the journal until the moguls complied. The newsboy strike of 1899 had begun. Whoa. It was, like, so quick. It was, like, one day a bunch of kids in Long Island just, like, snapped and had enough, and then the next day they formed a union, they're on strike. They were efficient. This is before they could just text each other and be like, hey, sup, we're on strike. Mm. FYI. Hey, I just tipped a man over. So, how do they- (laughs) (laughs) I tipped a man over. You know what that means. You know what I mean? Come on. See you at City Hall. Obviously, see you tomorrow. Midday at the park. You got it. Tipped a man over. And his wagon. They tipped his his wagon wagon. over. They didn't tip him over. How do you tip a man over? I think it was pretty clear that they also tipped him over. Yeah, so you tip the wagon over first, but he doesn't see that. And then they go, hey, what's that over there? And then whilst he's walking backwards, he tips over the wagon. There's an implication there that he also got tipped. So, a man tipping over is him falling on something. Yeah, he's been tipped. Yeah. yeah. And they say, congratulations, you've been tipped. Right. It's a new show I've been working on. What if he was in- Oh, okay. (laughs) Tipping point. That's better. The catchphrase is you've been tipped. 
you bed tipped. Yeah. Um, what and if- then you put a, a dollar note on them. Yeah. <laughs> what if he was in the wagon when they tipped it? Has you he been, still been tipped? Have you been double tipped? Oh, yeah. that's double tipped. Yeah, you get double points for double tipping. Yeah, that's okay. concurrent tipping. Concurrent? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is interesting. Which is double points. Yeah. What's the show called again? Tipping point. Tipping point. But the catchphrase is you've been tipped. You've been tipped. <laughs> is a dollar. Is it, oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. another type of tip. Yeah, yeah. That's when you've been double tipped, you get a you get triple a- tip. You get a third tip. Wow, yeah, yeah. Which gets you another dollar. Could there be a segment on the show called Just the Tip? Just the tip, yeah. That's <laughs> good. That is, yes. uh, that's the sealed <laughs> section that, of the show. But does it count? <laughs> Just the tip? Yeah. Does that count? It does, yes. Mm, you okay. get another dollar for the tip. <laughs> Some people say that if it's just the tip, it doesn't count, but it absolutely counts. Okay. Yeah. On tipping point, it does. Yeah. A show that is, is about-, about tipping in so many ways. <laughs> Maybe too many. At the end of the show, do you take the wagon and throw it in the tip? Yeah, that's right. If it passes the tipping point. <laughs> That's the tipping point. Then you get another dose. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, okay. I think I'm starting to understand. If there's enough weight in the dollars that land on you, you pass the tipping point and it all goes to the tip. And at any point, are you asked to give advice? Yes. Yeah, there's an advice section in there. Each team has one advisor. Who can give them tips. (laughs) Which gets you a dollar. And then also, at some point, is one of the challenges to put on like a weird silicone cap that you pull parts of your hair through to bleach? Yes. There is also one hairdresser working out from their backyard. And what's she doing? Or is that just where where I got my tips? (laughs) (laughs) And her name was Bernie. Is that just me or is that a universal truth? That's that's on the show. And it was very painful. (laughs) Yes. And you get a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a whole staff of tippers. We call them the tip staff. Wow. But, you know. Tip stars, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. tip stars, yeah. They could be famous for that. Yeah. Anyway, should I keep going or? Yeah, we've sold it to 80 countries so far. That's a really fun show. I like yeah. it a lot. <laughs> to celebrate, you tip a bottle of champagne down your throat. Just part of the fun. And then. You get another yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to clarify as well for the listeners that Matt is, he's doing the full arm gesture of putting a dollar down every time. He's doing a bit of a, that's for you. We go all in here. Yeah. Yeah. We don't fuck about We're here. not half-assing it here. We're not. When we're talking about our show tipping point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, look, it may have started with the Long Island newsboys tipping over a wagon, but it spread really quickly and the newsboys of Manhattan and Brooklyn joined in on the strike the very next day. So, it spread like wildfire. At first, the newspaper moguls shrugged off the newsboys' demands. Um, There was a guy called Don Seats and he was the managing editor of the New York World and he sent a very blasé memo to Pulitzer about the strike on July 21. So, it's been going for a few days and he sends a memo and it just said, had some trouble today through the strike on the part of the newsboys, but he assured his boss that the strike would be sporadic and that the situation was well in hand. Mm. He was like, don't even worry about it, babe. Babe. They're they're just boys, babe. babe. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the little boys. (laughs) They're aging out of the job anyway. There's there's new paper boys being born every day. Yeah. That's a paper boy. That's a paper boy. (laughs) Is that being born or dying? (laughs) Both. One in, one out. It's a good good policy. (laughs) That's one aging out. Oh, that's one being born. Oh, we got one. <laughs> um, from all that's interesting, the newsboys, however, had no intention of backing down. On July 22nd, 100 newsies descended on Newspaper Row, where the papers were distributed, and threatened the New York World and the New York Journal with clubs. 
Okay, they've really stepped it up. <laughs> they've got weapons now. Oh, okay. Not, not you like you join a club. They're not wearing different coloured T-shirts and like yeah, calling yeah. themselves. But I think they've got weapons. We're the, Bats. We're the Beagle Boys. Yeah. <laughs> the Beagle Boys. We're the, the Beagle Boys. Bugle Boys. We're the Bugle Boys from Company B. Yes. Um, lots of good options. I couldn't think of a single other joke. <laughs> For clubs? Yeah. I mean, they could have invited them to a disco, yeah, a night out, yeah, yeah. But few, no, they've got bats. A few screwdrivers? No, nope, they've got bats. Okay, is that a cocktail? <laughs> is that a cocktail? I'll have a bat, thanks. I'll have a bat. <laughs> I'll have a club. Huh? Okay. At first, the police were able to disperse the young strikers, but the Newsboys' strike of eighteen ninety nine continued, and the Newsies convened in even greater numbers around Columbus Circle. Five hundred of them shouted through fruit and stole newspapers out of wagons. Oh, they're, in, they're tipping. They're back tipping. <laughs> when you said sh- shouted through fruit, I thought they were like, they were holding up like a mango to the mouth going. Holding it out like the worst food is Why are they doing it through the fruit? Can we have examples of what other fruits would sound like? Well, that was a mango. Yeah. Uh, what kind of fruit? Banana. Is Banana. It's more like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about a. Uh, you're, you're able to get your lips around yeah, it a what bit. What about a blueberry? A blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you could just shout with a blueberry in your mouth. <laughs> but you're not shouting through it, though, are you? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, no, they shouted, comma, they threw fruit and they stole shit. That day, Seats, um, the managing editor, sent a second memo. This one had a note of alarm. <laughs> Said, the newsboy strike has grown into a menacing affair. It is proving a serious problem. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. No, I said, no, I said it was fine, but I'm now covered in mango. <laughs> He goes on to say, practically all the boys in New York and adjacent towns have quit selling. <laughs> this is only a few days later. Like, at first he was like, nah, don't worry about it. Now he's like, I'm a little worried about it. Yeah. We're not selling any papers. That was on the, that was on like the 22nd. On the 24th of July, he was in full panic. The advertisers have abandoned the paper and the sales have been cut down uh, fully two to five, he told Pulitzer. It's really a very extraordinary demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, hats off to the kids. Yeah. yeah. That was fantastic job. They're honestly fucking ruining us. <laughs> I think we should do a story on these kids. Yeah. And people did. Funnily enough, not those two papers. <laughs> the other papers. But others did. Yeah. Uh, the Pulitzer's uh, paper just says, everything is fine. <laughs> yeah. Keep buying papers. Extra, extra. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> Literally, no one is saying this because the boys are on strike. Oh, who am I? Oh, my God. Who am I? What? Who, who am I saying this? You're a newsman. <laughs> I'm a newsman. Mm. I'm a newsman. They're they paying him three cents. <laughs> they tried. Um, the young boys continued to rally and protest and refused to buy or sell the papers. They marched across the Brooklyn Bridge. They pro- protested in the streets of downtown Manhattan. They tore up newspapers and threw water on newsstand owners who didn't support the strike. Um, from Wiki, any man or boy found to be selling the two boycotted papers would be mobbed by a group of strikers, beaten, and his papers destroyed. The newspaper owners paid grown men to sell their newspapers, offering them police protection, but the strikers often found ways to distract the officer so they could get at the scabs, is what hey, they called them. Yeah. Women- when did when did the term scabs come about? Was it around no this idea. time or was it already around? Yeah, it, must, it might have already been around. I was thinking Maybe it was because they ended up getting bashed like this. 
they'd still work and they're like cuts are right, scabbing you, up or you something. You get tipped over and you get your scabby knees. <laughs> but imagine like being these newspaper owners, you're now paying adults to sell the newspaper and offering police protection from a, from children. Yeah. It's All kind the, of funny. So much more money they'd be spending than just paying them extra. Exactly right. Or, or charging them less is all they're asking them to do. Yeah. But instead they're make. I'm guessing they're paying the cops and they're also, I'm assuming, having to pay the adults more than the children. Yeah, I would assume so. Probably multiple cents. Yeah. So, it, it's, a, it's a bad system. No. And there wasn't a big margin as it was. No. Um, the Wikipedia article says women and girls fared a little better because, as union leader Kid Blink put it- Oh, my God. This has got to be the highest quality, like, consistently well, you, names. You, you, you haven't oh, missed yet. You there's some missed. really good names. Kid what Blink. Kid Blink? Kid Blink. And he's the union Jeez. leader. One of the union and leaders. four years old. I'll talk more about Kid Blink in a <laughs> sec. Kid Blink. <laughs> but he said a fella can't soak a lady, which I- yeah, which so I, I, what did he say? A fella can't soak a lady. <laughs> That's a no bath rule. Yeah, <laughs> we'll bathe the man, we'll bathe the boy. You know, but, but you can't soak a lady. The lingo was different back then. <laughs> um, so the struck newspapers didn't publish a word about the strike, as we were just saying. They did not. They weren't. Their news didn't include this at all. But other newspapers ran articles and illustrations detailing the skirmishes, um, the mass meetings, the negotiations, and they always quoted the newsboys in their signature slang. So, like, it was quite um, – like, it was written out sort of phonetically. So, it's like, Weez- Weezens has got to stand by one another these times, a striker named Billy told the Jersey City Evening Journal, because if we don't – Shaw's hell will get hit in the neck from dem capitalists. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, you can't bathe the woman. You can't soak a lady. <laughs> soak a lady. <laughs> soak a lady. lady. Do well, they catch on to this and just start hiring only women? I don't know. I think they still like- oh, Well, still- obviously, we still prefer to give the <laughs> work to men. We still distract the cops and steal all the papers and, yeah, no, it still didn't go well. Although portrayed by the press in comic fashion, strike violence was no joke. Some scabs wielded table legs and carried revolvers with them to protect themselves against children. Table legs. One forced a loaded gun down Kid Blink's throat. Oh, Seems unnecessary. Really unnecessary. The strikers- Like, how short is the range on this gun? (laughs) (laughs) I'm worried I'll miss. (laughs) Keep swallowing. Keep swallowing. Oh, no. And now we wait. It's a crooked sight. I don't know. (laughs) But the striking newsboys played rough too. They armed themselves with horseshoes, baseball bats- Barrel staves and wheel spokes. So they were like, it was violent. So, okay. Like with a horseshoe, you like trying to like wrap it around their neck. Yeah, yeah. Like a little game of horseshoe. Like, what's going on? It'd be pretty, like, if he got hit over the head with one, it'd hurt. Yeah. Or thrown at you. Or if you put it on your foot and you kicked them. Oh my God. It becomes yeah. A, becomes a Kick kid. in the face. <laughs> kid shoe. Kicked in the head by a Shetland pony. <laughs> <laughs> that actually, that sketch has a newspaper boy. Does it? Yeah. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Oh. Man kicked in the face by a Shetland pony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't, seen, Jack if you haven't yeah. seen it, you've got to go on YouTube and type in kicked don't. in the head. Oh, maybe don't. By a Shetland pony. <laughs> Jess is there. Yep. In a nurse's outfit. <laughs> I'm um, there as a doctor. So, it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was <laughs> error appropriate. Yeah. Women were nurses. That's right. Men were doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Drews was a paper boy. Yeah. It all makes sense to me. 
Um, so I mentioned Kid Blink. Oh, yeah. Great name. I've got a couple of other characters here that, you know, they come up in the story, but I mostly just wanted to say their names. Um, so Kid Blink, um, part of what appealed to me in this story was some of the characters and the names. So he was kind of, for a lot of it, he was sort of the face of the strike. His name was uh, Louis Kid Blink Belletti. He was a charismatic leader. He was 18 at the time of the strike and he had red hair and an eye patch over his left eye. So his other nicknames included Red Blink, Blind Diamond, and Oh my god. Muggsy McGee. Oh my god. <laughs> this guy could be the coolest man of all time. Red hair and an eye patch. Muggsy McGee. <laughs> Muggsy McGee. Jeez, he's got the big three. Red hair, everyone mm-hmm. agrees. Yeah. Because the coolest of the hair colours. Damn right. An eye patch. Yep. There's no better way to cover one of your eyes That's than no, with a patch. No better Agreed. patch either. And can you tell me a better name than Muggsy McGee? I can't. What was the diamond? There's the only the one diamond getting one. close Blind to it diamond. is- Blind Diamond. Blind Diamond is up second. there. That is a close second. That is good. Because, I mean, what was his name? Kid Blink. Yep. It started so well that I can't believe you continued to top it as you went along. Muggsy McGee. You reached a tipping point with Muggsy McGee. Here's a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> So, there was also the president of the Newsboy Union at the time um, was 21-year-old David Simmons, who'd been selling papers since he was eight years old. He was also a well-known amateur prize fighter at the local athletics club. We also had Henry Major Butts Butler. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's too good. Major Butts. That's good stuff. That's got, he's got the personalised number plate for sure. Oh, yeah. He was the leader of the Upper Manhattan Union. He was arrested on July 31st, 1899 on the charge of blackmail after telling executives at the New York World that he would um, not break the strike for less than $600. So, he was essentially like trying to bribe them. <laughs> um, $600 back then is roughly the equivalent of about twenty grand, $21,000. Today, so he's sort of like, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'll break the strike for twenty thousand dollars. These kids are making a penny for <laughs> yeah. each paper, so that's a that's a fuck ton of money. So he's yeah, he's willing to be a scab at the right price. That's right. So for the price of like two million papers, yeah, yeah. Mm. Hey, guys, you pay me that, and then I'll definitely go back to work. <laughs> I certainly won't be going to the Bahamas. No, definitely not. <laughs> I don't know that existed. <laughs> Um, one of the biggest sort of uh, milestones or like, yeah, most notable events in this whole strike is um, Irving Hall. It was less than a week after the strike had begun. There was a citywide rally which was held at Irving Hall in Union Square in Manhattan. An estimated 5,000 newsboys attended the rally. Wow. So this is in less than a week. There's 5,000 of them. Striking and protesting. It's crazy. The rally was sponsored by State Senator Timothy D. Sullivan and was supported by the public with many local businessmen and politicians addressing the crowd as well. So it seems like the the public really got on board and were on the side of the newsboys. You think of 5,000, like, and they're each selling 100 papers a day. Yeah. Or, or more, maybe. Yeah. Maybe some of them multiple bundles. Dave, that's probably pretty easy maths. How many, how many papers is that? 500 billion. <laughs> <laughs> that's, see, that's costing them quite a lot. Yeah, yeah we're missing out on half a million papers a day. Yeah. 
It's it's wild. Um, when the adults had finished speaking, the union president, David Simmons, read a list of resolutions saying that the strike was to stand until the papers reduced their prices and also calling on the newsboys to adopt non-violent methods of resistance. They're like, okay, guys, maybe put the horseshoes down. <laughs> a couple of weeks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a thought. Okay, all right. Well, maybe the hospitals are overflowing. Maybe they're not taking us as seriously because we're beating the shit out of everybody. <laughs> um, the strike leader, Kid Blink, gave an impassioned speech saying, I'm trying to figure how 10 cents on top on 100 papers can mean more to a millionaire than it does to newsboys, and I can't see mm-hmm. it. Um, it's amazing you can understand anything you said with the, the gun down his throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a piece of fruit in front of the gun. Yeah. <laughs> it says, this is the time when we've got to stick together like glue. We know what we want and we'll get it even if we are blind. Mm. I don't. He's fully get that, getting, but it's... He's thinking about getting a second eye patch. Yeah, patch. What do you reckon? Oh, do you guys think I can pull it off? I'm thinking of putting Diamantes on the other one, though. <laughs> the double patch? I think double Diamante too much, but one Diamante. Single Diamante. The blind diamond. Mm. At the conclusion of the night, he was presented with a floral horseshoe for best speech of the evening. <laughs> yeah. They did awards. That's so good. It was a horseshoe, too. Yeah. Because he killed a few people with those <laughs> that week. It was a, a bloodstained floral horseshoe. <laughs> The other um, sort of notable one of the night was Ed Racetrack Higgins, <laughs> who also gave a speech representing the Brooklyn Union, and several papers mentioned his use of humour in his oh, speech. That's how you get your message across mm, with humour and fun. Classic racetrack. He got his nickname because he, he his torso was strangely in the shape of a racetrack. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Odd looking fella. <laughs> Brooklyn Life referred to him as a born leader of boys. <laughs> And he may yet be of men. His speech at the rally went off so well that the New York Times said that if the newsboys present could have had a vote last night, Racetrack Higgins could have had any office in their gift. Wow, so he could have been like, he's good. President of the boys. <laughs> president of the boys. He could be the head boy. Oh, head boy. <laughs> the dream. Over the following days, the newsboys also distributed flyers and hung signs around the city, encouraging people to help them in their cause by not buying the world and the journal. The public was on their side and chose not to buy the papers, even if they were for sale. Like, even if somehow papers got through and were at a newsagent or whatever, they they wouldn't buy them. So, sales plummeted quickly. World circulation dropped from 360,000 to 125,000. So, it's dropped pretty fast. The people seem to be against us, sites told Pulitzer on July 24th. This is only like <laughs> the last memo was the 23rd. Seeds is just losing his mind. Yeah. Pulitzer's not replying, but Seeds is just going, oh, God. Your captive is wearing like his, his just in boxer shorts. He's not, he yeah. I've lost my clothes. Yeah, he's been sleeping at the office. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm frightened. Um, he goes on to say, they're encouraging the boys and tipping them and they are refraining from buying the papers for fear of having them snatched from their hands. They're tipping the they're boys. They're tipping the boys. <laughs> Wait, which guy? <laughs> and here's a dollar. <laughs> that kind of tipping. So, they're supporting the newsboys Support in their the strike and financially. Oh, wow. I imagine the rival newspapers would be loving this, obviously. Yeah. Because they're, they're two of their biggest competitors are out of the game. It'd be so fun. And I'm sure that they're using that very responsibly. Oh, like, yes. I imagine they're all – and they all continue to pay their paper boys really well. I'm sure they're treating their yeah. newsboys yeah. very on well. on behalf of the boys. Yes. But I don't think you have their own interest. It's all about the boys. It's yeah. about the boys. Get around the boys. I just want to look after the boys. And some girls, Make but some mostly noise, boys. Support the boys, yeah. That's right. As, yeah. Uh, Greg Champion once sang. 
<laughs> They're trying to give full credit to those boys. It's very nice. Yeah, anyway, full credit to the boys. <laughs> that's one. That's like Jess. You do a great uh, post match. Anyway, yeah, we did the boy right there. Look, full credit to the boys. They went out there and gave one hundred and ten percent. It's always one hundred and ten percent. Now, uh, sorry there, young fella. You've you've just had a great day <laughs> handing out uh, <laughs> selling papers today. How, how, how'd you see? How'd you see it today? Yeah, no, it was a good match. We went out there. It's the third quarter. We really we came back. We in the locker room. We said, "Now all we want to do is we want to go out. We want to really push for the front." And we did that. The boys went out there. They gave one hundred ten percent. And uh, yeah, no, really proud of what the boys pulled out there today. Full respect to the opposition. Obviously, they brought a great game today. They had a plan, but we worked hard. and We just got it done in the end. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're you know we're just taking it one week at a time. And uh, you don't sound puffed enough. That's my only. Um, oh, I've been on the bench. <laughs> in my act out, I'm not good enough to be on the field. Just in my act out. Yeah, in real captain. life, I'd easily be you on the field. You didn't actually hear the question, just started talking. <laughs> Sometimes like, you didn't hear the question. Yeah, okay. yeah no, no, yeah, no. <laughs> and how's your mum going? Oh, full credit to the boys. Yeah, 110%. <laughs> okay. Um, there was a bit of a scandal, though. A day or two after the the rally at Irving Hall, rumours spread among the newsboys that strike leaders Kid Blink and David Simmons had betrayed the strike and agreed to sell the boycotted newspapers in exchange for a bribe from the newspaper executives. Oh, my God. Not Kid Blink. Well, both boys denied the charge. They're like, what are you talking about? Of course I didn't take Mm. a bribe. Come on. It doesn't seem like that would make any sense because you're only – unless they're going to use that influence to – Stop the strike. It's what there's no point paying off individual mm. boys, two, <laughs> two boys. Yeah, true. Just fix the conditions they're asking for. It doesn't sound like it was that unreasonable what they're asking for. Can you just charge us what everyone else does? Because mm. we're finding it hard to, you know, make a living wage like no, this. No, let's, let's drag this on for a few weeks. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but the, but, but both uh, Kid Blink and David Simmons denied it. But some sources note that Kid Blink wore clothes a bit nicer than usual, indicating the possibility <laughs> that he may have accepted a bribe. This Hang is on. when his, it, when his eye patch got the Domontis on it. <laughs> right. like, You're a bit oh, flashy there, Kid, Kid Blink, Blink. You've gone a bit far None there. of us are making any money at the moment. Oh, no, no, they're only Diamantes. And someone's getting out the little yeah. eye thing going, that's 29 carats. Yeah. Is that a good amount of carrots? I don't know. That's a lot of That's carrots. That's a lot of carrots. Yeah, but is a lot good? Oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah, you want more. you got to remember oh. the three C's. Yeah. Carrots, carrots, carrots. Give, <laughs> give them to me. I want them. <laughs> I love carrots. I love carrots. I am a rabbit. Carrots. What's up, Doc? In response to these suspicions, Kid Blink and David Simmons resigned from their leadership positions. And after the rumours about Kid Blink and David Simmons' a desertion of the strike, combined with their failure to obtain a parade permit, they'd been, like, planning to do this big parade and nobody got a permit. Oh, no. And then all the newsboys, like, were like, oh, great, we've got no faith in you now. No, we've got no permit. So hey, they- Jess, if you- so you're Kid Blink. There's a press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what? What's brought it? You're resigning. What's brought about this this decision? Oh yeah, nah, yeah, <laughs> nah. Full credit to the boys. They went out there. They gave 110. Uh, percent Some of them have thought I'm dressing a bit nicer than normal. Uh, as it turns out, I've I've just started dating a lady who works in a laundry, and she is cleaning my clothes. Uh, these are the same pants I've always worn. They're just um, they're actually a light brown, but they've been washed. 
<laughs> um, so people think they're new pants. They're the same old pants. But uh, full credit to the boys. They've got out there. They've followed their hearts. And um, they've given 110%. And uh, it's time for me to move aside. They've gone in a different direction. Mm. I like when they, in those ones as well, they're like, you know, I'm just sorry about, uh, you know, what it's done in my family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who I'm thinking about. Most sorry to my family. My wife, Sharon. Who stood, stood by, by me? me. <laughs> Sharon always stands by. But yeah, essentially, the the newsboys' faith in a, in a centralized leadership was diminished. They're like this, maybe that, maybe we don't need one strike leader, They're one face sound of like it. Commie bastards. <laughs> but the strike. You know me, hardcore capitalist till I die. The strike overall there's a, had. There's a dollar. <laughs> oh, thank you. The strike overall had been incredibly effective. Within a mere two weeks, the Newsboys strike of 1899 had done so much damage to Hearst and Pulitzer's paper profits that the moguls agreed to talk. On the July 27, with, with, with the boys. On July 27, the World and Journal offered to sell papers to the boys at 55 cents per hundred. Nah, not enough, mate. We'll meet you halfway, they're saying. But the union rejected the compromise. They're Good. like, no, fuck you. No, fuck you. Yeah, if you said this three weeks ago before I got all my beautiful clean horseshoes all bloodied, then maybe. Maybe, but now I've got to buy new horseshoes. Yeah. Or figure out how to clean them. Yeah. And Sharon's left me. Sharon's <laughs> left me. She was not standing by me. So that was July 27. August 1st, the World and the Journal offered the newsboys a different compromise. The price of 100 newspapers would remain at 60 cents. Oh, okay. But- <laughs> A counteroffer. <laughs> but they would buy back any unsold papers. Okay. So this meant that the boys who had had trouble selling all their papers wouldn't be forced to sell late into the night to avoid taking a loss for the day. So mm. they could sort of go, well, look, I'm not the papers. I'm not selling any more for the day. I'm going to call it here, and then the newspaper would buy them back. Bit of work-life balance. Yeah, exactly. So the newsboys accepted this compromise, ending the strike, and they disbanded the union on August second, eighteen ninety-nine. They did it. A bunch of kids. Well done. Fought against two millionaires. Such wealthy men fighting over a few cents to take them out of the hands of children. Cool. That's a beautiful story. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like the right people won. Yeah. The 1899 strike was credited with inspiring later strikes in Montana and Kentucky, and within the next couple of decades, there were introductions of child welfare laws that led to improvements in the newsboys' quality of life. So, it kind of- it had ripple effects as well, which is nice. That's good. The events of the 80 of the 99 strike inspired the 1992 Disney film Newsies, including a character named Kid Blink. Who wears an eye patch? Um, But in this version of the story, the leader of the strike was named Jack Kelly. Um, It is a musical. Sorry, Dave. And Jack Kelly is played by Christian Bale. No way. A young Christian Bale. So young, yeah. Um, Bill Pullman is also in it, and Robert Duvall plays Pulitzer. Wow, it's quite a cast. That's quite a cast. Oh wow, I've just seen a a, the first screenshot I've seen on IMDb. It's a bunch of uh, kids singing, and I will not be watching. I mean, it is a musical, and you've just heard the story it's about. (laughs) Why are you surprised it's kids singing? (laughs) But they were they dressed exactly like you'd imagine, and that's why it's a no from me. They're also dressed a little bit like Dave Warnicky. I can see you're wearing a- I, It's your sort of palette. Your I want, palette, you, I want yes. you to know that I think as soon as you said newsboy, I'm like, I would have been a great newsboy. <laughs> yeah. You would have been a great newsboy. You still would be. I think I've missed my prime, but I think I could be out there 
being like, come on, come on down, buy the Herald Sun. Yeah. We've got a great story about- Maybe you should try selling records at the footy or something. Oh, record, records. Record seller. $2. That, that'll age this. They're probably like $25. Yeah. Records. Do they $2. Sell, they sell the record every week. Yeah. Every game. Every game. Wow. They're Who's always- writing the records? Uh, I think AFL, AFL Media or something. Mm. Something pretty excitingly named like that. Yeah, I think it's the one record, but each week will have its own individual. I haven't bought one for a long time. I used no. to buy them every round. I got a box of them somewhere. Yeah, wow. Going back to eighty nine. Jesus Christ, you are old. Yeah, as old <laughs> as the wind. <laughs> Trying to tell you, I was buying records before you were even born. Wow, that's quite a record in itself. That is records. What are the, is that like a normal term? They're I don't like, know. I don't know what else you'd call them. Like programs, I guess. Yeah, I guess programs so. For the for footy program, it would be like a theatre program, but it's for a footy game. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd be playing the role of full forward tonight? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I heard of this musical newsies, I think, was when an episode a year or so ago. I was trying to figure out where I where this joke from I remember from childhood came from, where the guy goes, It's Weasel mm. and a few people said Is that this movie? It's not, but oh, okay. I think it's a joke that's been in a bunch of things somehow. Right. Well, I think where I was thinking of was Tailspin, a Disney cartoon. Ah, uh, yep. But apparently it, there's something like that in this, I oh, think. Oh, okay. Newsies. Well, a couple of people that suggested this topic say that, like, Newsies is their favourite musical because it was a Disney film, but then a, a musical adaptation of the film, also called Newsies, debuted in 2011 on Broadway. Oh, it played on Broadway from 2012 to 2014 and then toured for a couple of years as well. And in November of 2022, um, a production of Newsies opened uh, off West End in London for a limited run as well. So, it's a pretty big musical too. Right. I've never heard of it. Yeah, Newsies. We've right. really got to get back to the West End yeah. and perform. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Where we belong. <laughs> Can we do a musical version of the podcast? I did pitch to- uh, Dave and Jess, before we started recording, that we do a live show with the MSO, the Melbourne yeah. Symphony Orchestra, at some point. <laughs> I think that I they, think be nice. they seem to branch out more and more every year. Yeah. I think it's time they finally scored a live podcast. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, high art meeting, high art. That's right. Double high art. <laughs> yeah. I don't see how you can go wrong. I think that, yeah. Does that. I think that makes it triple high art. I think they'd essentially be like parts of the orchestra that would play for each of us. I think mine would be like, I don't know, something kind of nice and like strings or something. And yours would just be like, bomb, 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 I was thinking it would be like a jump. (laughs) 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 It'd be a jump. Every time you interrupt and start doing something dumb, it just goes, oh, oh, Sorry, something high art. Yes. Like a jug blowing into a jug. With them, uh, uh, uh. I don't know. Dave can be a drum or something. Um, or a bass. You love bass. Oh, a drum. <laughs> yeah, yours is quite sexy. <laughs> anyway, I like how- um, Dave, sorry. Uh, we, we come back to this sporadically. This is going to be a tough one. Dave says his talent is turning things into, into porn parodies. How do you turn newsies- in all porn parody. <laughs> Obviously, first- Boobies. First, what you do is- Boobies is good. You uh, make sure all the boys are men. I think that's probably <laughs> the first thing you do. Yeah, because it'd probably be something like newbies or something. You know, It's like um, young men, 18 plus, in the office or something. Something like that. But boobies is much better. <laughs> boobies. Boobies is very boobies good. Boobies is very- <laughs> Extra, extra, double D. <laughs> 
Drop out it. Uh, Dave's better at it. <laughs> Double D about it. I mean, I came up with boobies. Okay. So maybe I'm better at it. Okay. Well, my, anyway, my well done, Dave. Back up uh, Scroozies. Scroozies. Scroozies is better. Scroozies. Scroozies is better. A, it's a tighter rhyme, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Boobies is a bit, it's a It's a longer bow. Yeah. Scroozies is it. Scroozies. And what would the, instead of extra, extra, read all about it, it would extra, be? Sextra, sextra. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. Yeah, that one felt obvious. Sextra, sextra. Sextra, sextra. Cream all about it. <laughs> Cream all about it. Cream all about tit. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh. All right. You two work very well as a is, team. Is the West End listening to this podcast? This could be big. This high is, there, is there an adult West End? <laughs> it's a South End. Yeah. <laughs> the rear end. <laughs> That's silly. Uh, that's good stuff. Let me just- I've got one one little paragraph left because I like how all that's interesting sums it all up. It says, the Disney film proved so popular that it was later adapted for Broadway, but the Disney version of the Newsboy Strike of 1899 does leave out some key details. Namely, young Newsies continued to struggle in poverty even after winning concessions from Hearst and Pulitzer. It took another 20 years for the United States to enact child labour laws. Until then, newsboys continued on as much as I always had. But for one brief, glorious moment, the newsboys of New York City grabbed the world's attention. They went head-to-head with some of the richest and most powerful men, and against all odds, this ragtag crowd roared to victory. You know I love anything that says ragtag. Mm, well done. So that's a great way of summing it up from all that's interesting. But yeah, it's like a, you know, it felt like a kind of cute short story. I liked that it was a bunch of kids striking against some wealthy men who could absolutely spare the cash. <laughs> yes. Um, and they won. And they, yeah, it's, it's a shame because obviously they can't, it's hard to, when you, you're struggling for money in the first place, yeah. striking is a hard thing. It's a big sacrifice of course, to make. Yeah. So, the, yeah, because you're like, oh, I wish they just stuck at it, got the price reduction and the deal that they could sell them back. Yeah, but, they kept it all. But, you know, they also have to live. Yeah. And uh, that's why I think it's a good system that we've got. And there were no longer newsboys. They were newsmen. <laughs> <laughs> Cream all about tip. <laughs> Sextra, 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 cream all about it. Oh I really, when I brought it up, I thought there's not a lot of room here. <laughs> yeah, but, but boy, was I wrong. But screwsies, screwsies, coming next summer. Oh god, and you know um, how coming spelled? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know how coming spelled. Oh, fantastic! Now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show, where we get to thank some of our fantastic. Patreon supporters, if you want to get involved in this, you just have to go to patreon.com slash pod. There's a bunch of different levels you can sign up to. Dave, what are some examples? Oh, there's all sorts of different levels. You can vote for topics. You can join the Facebook group at any level. It's a lovely corner of the internet. That's right. People are very nice. Organize their own swaps going on in there. There's been t-shirt swaps and magnet swaps around the world, which is so, so cool. People have been meeting up at gigs, connecting. It's really, really nice. Also, bonus episodes. We have put out over 190 and counting. And uh, as soon as you subscribe at the bonus level or above... You get access to the back catalogue, and that's we're putting right. out three more a month. So soon to be four more a month if we right. hit uh, a target soon. Uh, you might be noticing that Jess has popped down a bit, and oh, yeah, um, she did a lot of chatting during this episode. She told that report. She did most of the talking, so she's just quietly sitting in the corner of the room now. That's right. She's holding a microphone, but 
I don't know if she'll speak. She is. Actually, she's holding up a piece of paper now saying, Boppy's on strike. (laughs) (laughs) Not Boppy. Not Boppy. (laughs) Not Boppy. (laughs) Not Boppy. No, Boppy, please. (laughs) We need our Boppy. Uh, no, she's standing firm. Okay. Um, no, she's she's at the runoff to go to uh, a gig in a country town. I'm trying to give a live performance in Bendigo. She's what a place. giving one to the good people of Bendigo. They're welcome. <laughs> they are welcome. <laughs> they are welcome. Um, so, yeah, you can sign up on all these sorts of levels. I can't wait to start doing that fourth bonus episode a month, which is going to be a D&D campaign. That's right. Dungeons and Dragons. Do do go D&D. There's a name in there somewhere. We haven't quite worked it out. The two biggest Ds out there. Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. That's a double D. And... <laughs> Uh, but the first thing we like to do in this section of the show, it takes about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes, and we thank a bunch of different people who have been supporting us on there. And we have some fun along the way. We try and have a bit of fun. So we learn about them and each other. This bit of the show, it's for the supporters, but more than that, it's for us. That's right. Fills, fills my heart. <laughs> um, the first thing we like to do is the fact, quote, or question section, which has a little jingle, goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. Imagine how good that would be with the MSO under it. Oh, that'd be so good with the MSO right under that ding. Wow, the ding. The, the timpani do a big ding? Yeah, I what does the timpani a, do? Maybe like a percussionist over there with like yeah. a little bell. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe on the, you know, on the glockenspiel. Oh, yeah, really. You'd have to work out the perfect note. Ding. Yeah. And that hit it every time. Anyway, he always remembers the thing. I always remember the ding. And uh, this section... If you sign up on the Sydney Schomburg level or above, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, or a brag, or a suggestion, or really whatever you like. I'll read four of them out each week, and I don't read them out till I read them out. And you also get to give yourself a title. The first one this week comes from Mark Wen, aka Perpetually Confused. And so Mark- because his name is Mark Wen? Mark Wen. People like Mark Wen. Mark Wen. It's confusing for everyone. Men, please. Men. <laughs> <laughs> men, men. It, it, yeah, let's be honest. It's men who get confused. Yeah. <laughs> men, 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 please. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Wen, perpetually confused, is the title, is offering us a brag, writing, My home in northern Canada likes to boast that the song Summer of 69 is partially inspired by our town because Brian Adams co-writer Jim Valance lived there in 1969. Nice. Nice. Do you guys have any hometown facts that you're weirdly proud of? Ooh. Um... What do, you, what do you see as your hometown? I would see uh, the suburb I probably grew up in, which is Eltham. And I went to Eltham East Primary School and there was a cricketer that had gone there about 10 years or 15 years before, maybe 20 years before, Eltham East Primary School. I can't remember who it was. Was it uh, Tony, Tony Dottermaid? <laughs> he who? was a cricketer, wasn't he? Tony Dottermaid. Um, I, while you're thinking, I'll say mine was probably, um, if it was Kyneton, Kyneton is, uh, where Heath, Mag- Heath McIver, the man behind Randy, so I'm saying, I guess Randy, the, the puppet is from my hometown, I think you could say. Oh yeah, great. And, uh, well, but from Moorabbin, that is obviously the home of the Saints, so that's, uh. I don't know if I brought that up before, but yeah, St. Kilda Football Club is based in Moorabbin. Um, yeah, so was it Tony Dottermaid? Well, I think he, um, I've got a feeling it was Adam Dale. 
Adam Dale. Do you know who played a couple of tests, 31-day internationals? He was born in Ivanhoe, Victoria, so it's checking out, born in 68. So, you know, a couple of decades older than I was. Did he play for... Did he go to Eltham East Primary School? I feel like there was someone of a similar era and someone like that who, you know, was there a bit. Love that. That is a That's a great claim to fame. And... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is uh, not as exciting as you were probably thinking. Yeah, it's not quite co-writer of Summer of 69, is it, Dave? But uh, No. Not quite. But close. Uh, it's, a, it's a great question, though. I love- uh, What the- about- Okay, one time- um, Okay, here we go. I was at the Coles in Eltham. Yep. And um, one of the great actors, comedians- mm-hmm. Media personalities. Okay. Miriam Margulies was there because she, for a while, lived in Eltham. Wow. Did she? Has she ever spilt the tea on you? I often see that um, in my uh, news feed, there's an article about Miriam Margulies (laughs) spills the tea on (laughs) working with someone or other. Oh, the best thing is she just doesn't give a shit, which I love. They're the people who love spilling tea the most or don't even love it. They just do it. Uh, what about this, Dave? When I used to work at uh, Safeway Moorabbin, Woolworths, that's a supermarket, regular customers who used to shop as a band, she had. She had. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. For a while, also known as. Uh, they were known as Pacifier. Pacifier. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I love they just walked down the aisles pushing a trolley, the four of them. What a time. Wow. This, according to Eltham's Wikipedia page, notable residents include Wilbur Wilde. Wow. Merrick Watts. Didn't know that. It says here, Cadell Evans, cyclist. Holy. Winner of the Tour de France. These are some big names. Peter Hitchner, newsreader. Is the this Hitch. true? Is the Hitch from Eltham? Eltham is a, it's a real hotspot. Emily Browning, the actor, I didn't know that because she was a couple of years older than me at school, but, and I went to a different school, but I knew people that went to school with Who's her. Who's that? Who's so. Emily Browning? In a bunch of show uh, movies, he was like a child actor, but then also has gone on to be in lots and lots of stuff. Yeah, cool. Uh, Merrick Watts is, is the first stand-up show I ever saw. And uh, I was, when I did uh, Celebrity Letters and Numbers last year or this year, whenever it was, he was on it. I said that, I said it to him. I said, you're the first, <laughs> you're the first comedy show I ever saw, Merrick. Oh, pleasure to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, and he looks- Better than ever, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Fit as a fiddle. Very fit man. Very fit man. Uh, what was the name of that actor? We've got sidetracked so quickly. Who's talking about? Emily Browning. Emily Browning. That's right. I want to know. Oh, yep. Yep. I know her. I know her from a bunch of things. Yeah. St- and still in lots of stuff. She Had went it. to your school. Well, she went to Eltham High School, which is not the school I went to, but I knew lots of- We had mutual friends. Yeah, Had a few well. parties and things like that. Um, none of these- Show, oh no, I've heard of The Man Who Sued God with Billy Connolly. I don't know if I've seen it though. Lemony Schnicket. Ghost Ship. Why do I recognise her? I haven't seen any of these. Oh, Ned Kelly with uh, with uh, the Joker. Heath Ledger. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Brain's going real well. All right. Who are we taught? Mark Wen. That was our first fat quarter question. Feels like I read that out three weeks ago. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, and congratulations on living so close to where someone got their first real six string. Damn right. So cool. Next up, I'd love to thank Lauren Joyner, aka Sandwich Aficionado. I love a sandwich. Me too. 
and Lauren is offering us a fact writing. I'm using fact loosely here. My husband and I audibly gasped in unison while listening to episode 402, The Great Wine Fraud, because of the mention of Hollywood Jeff with one F <laughs> and his masterpiece, Ghoulies. Oh, yeah. That's so funny because I was listening. I wasn't on that episode, but I was listening to that. I remember where I was in the supermarket. Um, when you heard ghoulies. When I heard you were talking about ghoulies. And, and, then, you, and you were and- later, you were surprised that, that in England they're a nickname for balls. Because I'm like, of course ghoulies are a nickname for balls. But as I read it here, G-H-O-U-L-I-E-S. I wouldn't have connected the two yes. there. Uh, anyway, back to Lauren. She continues by saying... <laughs> Uh, we enjoyed watching truly shitty horror movies in October, and this one, this was one of our picks in 2021. It has lived rent-free in my head since. Now, time for facts. The movie was in production at the same time as Gremlins, but stalled because of budget stuff, so Gremlins came out first. Oh. Ghoulies is massively different in that a college dude inherits a mansion and within like a day or two becomes a satanic cult leader who tries to sacrifice his friends, brackets, I think, <laughs> including Mariska Hargitay. Oh, wow. Law and order. order SVU in her first role. The Ghoulies are just there, I guess. I still don't understand how they factor in. The movie starts with a human sacrifice and the cover image of the ghoulie coming out of the toilet in suspenders was definitely not in the movie. (laughs) Though they added a toilet ghoulie in post to make it seem more whimsical like gremlins. Also, the production company that made it is called Ghoulie Productions. So, they were really putting all their eggs in one basket or all their ghoulies in one toilet. (laughs) All that to say, watch it and laugh at it. It's truly terrible in the best way. Thanks so much, Lauren. That's fantastic. Great one. I love a, I love a follow up on a on a tangent. Yeah, I love th- was, thinking was about it, ghoulies. The guy was it? Maybe the guy, the main character in that episode was he? Did he have a hand in producing that or something? I think yeah. his friend was Hollywood Jeff, right. who he drank wine with a lot. Hollywood and Jeff, they were, and they're in a couple of those wine drinking societies That's right. together. Yeah, Hollywood Jeff is so fun. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. And the next one comes from Jacoby Austin D'Angelo. And Jacoby, uh, a.k.a. Reformed Writer of Bloody Long Fact Quotes and Questions. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> and Jacoby- She's not She's not listening, mate. She's taking the headphones off. <laughs> oh, I was wondering why she had to head off. She looked ahead <laughs> at the fact quotes and questions, um, which I never do. I don't read them until I read them out. <laughs> yes, she, she hacked the doc. And Jacoby's asking a question writing, Hello, Matt, Jess- and Dave, he said, and the rest, but I, I refuse oh to. Oh my God, Jacoby, I was sticking up for you. <laughs> I think, I think he chose you because you're the strongest of us. I can take it. But also, you're the one who loves that joke the, best, the yeah. most. And the rest. Uh, after my last fact, which I accidentally marked as a question, turned out to be a mini report, I decided that I must shorten these facts, quotes, and questions for everyone's sake. I'd like to turn in an actual question this time. And the question is, which Parks and Rec character are you most like? Oh, oh do you watch most it? like. Yeah. Great. I, I you wish Jess was here because she's watched it like 38 times. Uh, okay. Who am I most like? Who I do tried, I most like? I think during COVID, I tried to watch it and I didn't get through the first season. And everyone says, oh, you don't watch the first season. So, <laughs> the second. that for every show, which mm. is so bad. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure who I would be. Uh, they all seem nice. Probably Leslie Leslie Mann. No, what's Leslie Les- Nope. Leslie Nope. 
She's not playing the real person, Leslie Mann. Uh, do you think I'd be Leslie Nope? Um, yes or nope? Uh, I'm going to say nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, while you're thinking, Dave. Well, I, I don't want to admit it, but maybe I'm a bit uptight like Ben, who's the one that gets with Leslie. Gets with her. Well, they, you know, they get together. Is it? Is that- uh, Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Who's a bit uptight. Uh, I've been- I did. I haven't listened yet, actually. But Adam Scott Ackerman have just uh, started a new series of their "You Talking You Two to Me" podcast. Oh yes, you love that. But it's with Bruce Springsteen. Oh, and the title of it is. Um, good question. You spring and Springsteen on my bean. <laughs> That's great. That's uh, really really. Jacoby good. answers his own question here. Do you want to hear it, Dave? Yes, please. We always encourage people in the fat quote or question section to answer their own questions if they can. Jacoby writes, since my since it's my favorite show, I'm a bit like all the characters, but lately I've been feeling a lot like Leslie. Way too excited about things, very talkative, and a huge love for waffles and other breakfast foods. I'm trying to be more like Ron. Yeah, well, I don't think he's talked me out of feeling like Leslie there. I like breakfast foods. Yeah. Okay. You definitely know Ron. Ron's big on eating meat. Yeah. Loves and he's like meat. also very handy. Yeah. Whereas I'm very handsy. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite character is probably Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> you know Jerry? Very funny. Also known as Gary. Okay. Oh, I see oh. Gary from Gary. I've sent, People have sent me that meme a lot, which, which is just like a quote of a guy saying, I'm Gary from Gary, Indiana or something. I can't remember. I've seen seen most of it years ago. If there's a Gary, I'm going to say I'm a Gary. Or unless you can tell me who I am, you're in a better position than me. I mean, it's difficult. I don't know the show as well. I feel, as, I feel as like I've got the temperament of Ron Swanson, maybe at times. You've got the mustache. The mustache. That's, that's what, what I'm thinking. So of. I said temperament. I meant temper mustache. Uh, great question, Jacoby. Dave, you've put him in a spin. He's taken this very seriously. Because I'm, okay, I'm trying to look at all the characters now being like, oh, do I remember who that one was? What about the guy who's now um, the superhero? Uh, Andy Dwyer, played by Chris Pratt. Yeah. Am I like him? So he's, bit- he's a bit goofy. Goofy? I'm very goofy. Fu- very funny. On purpose, though? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not on purpose. Yeah. Well, that sounds like me. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll give you that. Give you that. All right. I'm uh, Chris Pratt. And um, Jess, why don't we? I reckon you, can, you can put an asterisk there. We can come back to that question because she didn't enjoy answering this one. I think because mm. she's a big fan of the show. Big fan. Jacoby, feel free to um, send it in again. Yeah, <laughs> we want to know from Jess. <laughs> I mean, that helps prove that uh, we really don't read it. She's nearly readings. always here. I swear. Uh, yeah, she hasn't been lately, but she normally is. Yes. All right. And the last one this week's come from the last one this week comes from Sky. Uh, okay, maker upper of Faxter. Of Faxter. And oh, where you can write fact quote a question, break suggestion, etc. Sky's written fake fact. <laughs> Great. Writing The green at Packers were all originally embalmers, and the name comes from the arse packing. <laughs> Is this for Green Bay Packers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think it's meant to say the Green Bay Packers, but it says the Green at Packers. <laughs> I wonder what time of night that came in. That's Sky. funny. It's hard to know because in Australian time, that came in at nearly 3 a.m. 
<laughs> so depending on where Sky's from, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a late night pub fact. Or just popped into your mind, I've got to write that. <laughs> that's my fact. I've got a question. It's a green <laughs> fact. I've got to write this fake fact. <laughs> they used to embalm people and pack their asses. The green eight at Packers. Sky, that is fantastic work. Thank I'd you so much. Lots of more fake facts. That's fun. <laughs> Uh, really appreciate the fine work of Sky, Jacoby, Lauren, and Mark. Next thing we like to do is thank a few of our other great patron supporters. Uh, normally, Jess comes up with a bit of a game based on the topic of the day. Um, Dave, any thoughts on this? What are what they about, striking for? Or, yeah, or if they're like instead of n- news boys, what kind of? What kind of boys are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, newsies, news boys. Yeah, you could, could say what they're striking for. Am I uh, am I right? Are you, does this make sense? Paper boys is that a phrase? Yeah, paper. But that's what you were. That's what I was when I was a kid, right? That's what I was, was when I was a kid, right? Yeah, that's right. You used to f- paper boy. You had a paper round. Yeah. You're a boy. You're a paper boy. Paper boy. But in the old times, or at least in the American times, newsies. news boys, news boys, news boys. It's not as good. Newsies. Surely, paper bo- paper boy. That just sounds better. The P's, the B's. The P's and the B's, got it all. All right. How about, um, do you want to read out the names or do you want to come up with the kind of boys they are? How about I start out reading out the names and then we can swap. Okay. Okay. From Mount Pleasant in South Carolina. Okay. We have Alex Drew. Thank you, Alex. A garden boy. (laughs) So, this is what um, Alex does. And I was hearing about this from- uh, Bill Bryson book, but there was a time uh, where rich people would pay for someone to live in their garden, like a, a, a living gnome, and they'd have a, their own little house and they just have to be there and just live there. That was the job and they got paid. But the job is to look after the garden? No, no. The job is just to be a living gnome. So, that's what Alex drew as a garden boy, <laughs> just living in a garden in a little hut. Apparently, everyone lost interest. No one ever stuck around. I, I'm wondering if it's- if it, there's enough in it for a topic. Cause that it, sounds it's, incredible. It's really interesting. Is, is, and it was just kind of like, I'm rich enough, I'll have this. Yeah. It's just like uh, for my entertainment, it's just a bit of fun in the garden. I've got Some people own. have a little concrete gnome. I've got a, p- a real gnome. I've got a real gnome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Alex Drew. And we should say for these people, if you're not a boy or have never been a boy, you're all honorary boys this week. Wow. And Dave has the power to do that. He's a head boy. (laughs) I'm a head boy. And I'm bestowing upon you the right to call yourself a boy. Uh, Next up, we have from Location Unknown. We can only assume it's deep within the Fortress of the Moles. And thank you to Ariel or Ariel Woodhouse. Oh, oh, what a great name. Uh, Would have made a great name for a garden boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think Ariel Woodhouse is a... Fly boy. Okay, talk me through a fly boy. Uh, <laughs> you, you fly boys. Fly boy. Well, they they can. They're boys that can fly, basically. Right. Winged boys. Um, but again, <laughs> this is just rich people um, pay you yep. to wear wings, and they have a harness rigged up, so they're like. You look like you're a, a, a butterfly, basically. <laughs> so they got a a big butter boy. Butterfly, butter boy enclosure. And you sort of hang from the ceiling. And you're sort of, yeah, like you're flying around. And that's your full-time gig. <laughs> you do it 24-7. Not 24-7. You get, you, you know, you get your eight hours on. There's three of you that rotate. Right. But it's a fly-in, fly-out kind it's of a gig. Fly, it's a FIFO <laughs> gig, yeah. <laughs> Great one. From uh, Limassol in, oh, my God, where's CY? 
See why? I think that's Cyprus, maybe? Yeah, my goodness. Could it be? Could it be? Limassol in Cyprus. Fantastic. A big shout out and a big thank you to, I've lost the tab here because I was just so excited about Googling where Limassol is. Big thank you to Andrew Beer. Andrew Beer. Oh, that's great. Is it a beer boy? Could it be a beer boy? What's a beer boy? He's a, I think Andrew Beer is a beer boy. So, what Andrew does is he lives in a rich person's bar in their basement <laughs> uh, and he just- it's like a, like a standing spa, but it's in the shape of a, a stein, glass <laughs> stein, full of beer, and he's just there, like arms up on the edge of the stein. Oh, right, like a, like in, like you swam up to a swim up bar, yeah, exactly. but he's just the swim up stein, swim up stein. <laughs> yeah, so he's just there, just to add a bit of ambiance into the rich people's <laughs> home bar. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's that's my bar. That's my beer boy. Thank you so much. To Andrew Beer, I've looked at Limassol. It's on the southern coast of Cyprus. It's known for the centuries-old Limassol Castle and home to the Cyprus Medieval Museum. Beer boy. So good. I've got to tell you, it looks, looks very beautiful. Thanks, beer boy. And thank you now from Greenville, also South Carolina. My goodness, it's Garrett Denali. Garrett Denali, homeboy. <laughs> and so, Garrett, basically what he does, a rich person, right? Yeah. Pays for Garrett. Just to be around the home. <laughs> just to see, just like, oh, no, no. People will say sometimes the rich are out of touch or whatever. Yeah. But uh, what Garrett does is he allows his owner <laughs> or employer, um, yeah. you could say, to be like, no, no, no I'm still in touch. I've, I've got my own homeboy. I, I talk to them you know, most weeks. He keeps me grounded, my homeboy. My homeboy keeps me grounded. <laughs> Got to keep my homeboys around. And yeah, Garrett is one of many homeboys. Uh, the, the rich you are, the more homeboys you have. Oh, wow. So, you can have like a full- Full entourage of homeboys. Full entourage of homeboys. If you're, you know, quite wealthy. Everyone's got a turtle. Like, a, yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. <though>. That's a, <laughs> that's, <laughs> Good on you, Garrett Denali. Great name. And thank you to two people this time from Appleton- all the way over in Wisconsin. Thank you to Harrison and Rebecca Ellis. Appleton makes me think fruit, makes me think at, at multiples. We've got boysenberries. <laughs> Harrison and Rebecca are the boysenberries. So, rich people pay for them. <laughs> sort of like um, in a Willy Wonka type thing world, they've figured out uh, the recipe to make human boysenberry boys. And oh, okay. Harrison and Rebecca have- they each morning when they clock on, they eat the syrup. Yep. Or drink it. Syrup's funny because it's sort of it's very viscous. So do you eat it or do you drink it? Mm, I chew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to make sure. Uh, and yeah, they have that. They become boysenberries, which were of course um, I think popularized on the on that farm in America. That's right. We did a Patreon bonus episode where I talked you and Jess through some words named after people. And boysenberry is named after uh, the creator of the boysenberry, something boysen, yes. who basically sold the idea for a very low price to another farmer who made millions of it, mm. made boysenberries. It's, it's a mixture of other berries crossbred together. Uh, and Harrison and Rebecca crossbred to make the boysenberry boys. Wow. And you never believe this. They're from Appleton in Wisconsin. And that is not very far from Green Bay, Wisconsin, Whoa. where- Where they pack asses. <laughs> As the funeral people, uh, I think it looks to be about only about 10 to 20K out of Green Bay. Bloody hell. Appleton is such a nice name for a place. Lovely. 
I'd like to thank now from Crestmead in Queensland, it's Kylie Tully. Kylie Tully is a boy wonder. So, uh, what Kylie does is uh, she's hired by a rich man named Bruce Wayne (laughs) and uh, basically just does sidekick duties. Yeah, right. Rides in the sidecar. Gives something something for Bruce to bounce off. Yeah, right. Sometimes literally. Yeah, yeah. Pow. (laughs) Bounce. Boing. Those sort of- Uses them like a human trampoline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Kylie, tough job, but well-paying job. But exactly. He's a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. Come on. And we all know that billionaires get that way yeah. by paying everyone fairly. Exactly, like giving away their way and acting ethically in every single possible way. Thank you to Kylie. I would like to thank now from Gilroy in California. Me it's- being so rough on billionaires today is going to come back to bite me when I'm a really <laughs> yeah, big billionaire. It's embarrassing for you. People will play this tape <laughs> to Delete you. the tapes. Oh, my gosh. I you- was being ironic. I think actually being a billionaire is one of the most cool things you can do. <laughs> it's one of the most humane things you can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes sharing means keeping it, you know. It's- sharing isn't always giving. Sometimes it's taking and exactly. keeping. I share it with myself. Yeah. Just in case. I'm keeping it safe for everyone. That's right. I mean, I trust myself, but yeah. I don't trust anyone else. No. So, I'm going to keep it and let me know if you need it. No, no. Let me know if you really need it. <laughs> <laughs> no, this doesn't count. No. Your wages and your life livelihood doesn't count. Uh, from Gilroy in California, it's Rowan Williams. What about Rowan Williams is the bin boy. Oh, bin boy. You know, rich people. Yes. They don't like getting their hands dirty. No. And the, often the dirtiest part of taking out the trash is, is living when you put in the it, trash can. It's when you put it in the bin yeah. and you drop it off. But don't worry, there's a human bin boy that pops up Oscar the Grouch style mm. and says, I'll take that, sir. In fact, doesn't just say that, says, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. May Th- I have another? Thank you for this bag of, <laughs> of trashes. <laughs> I will treasure this. I'll treasure this bag of rubbish, sir. <laughs> to me, it's not rubbish. It's gold. <laughs> and that that accent comes from Rowan Williams from Gilroy, California. Oh, you Rowan. can hear the sunshine off his voice there, can't you? <laughs> and second to last, but definitely- Not second to least. Exactly. From location unknown, another fortress dweller, we can imagine it's Keziah O'Neill. Keziah. Kaziah the Messiah. Uh, Kaziah is uh, not the Messiah. (laughs) Kaziah is just a very naughty boy. (laughs) The naughty boy. The naughty boy. And rich people need these around. Mm, You need a naughty boy. Uh, They used to call them jesters, but these days they call them naughty boys. boys. (laughs) And they, you know, they just do silly things to sort of appease the, the king and queen. Yeah, do a bit of juggling. Falling over with a slapstick. Yeah. And the modern day king and queens are, of course, media moguls. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you Rupert Murdoch's. Yeah. Etc. And finally, I would like to thank from location also unknown, maybe right next to Kazira in the fortress. Thank you to Paul. Paul. You know who you are, Paul. Surname starts with N. I don't know if Paul is looking to stay anonymous. So I'm just going off your email address there, Paul, just in case you're going, could that be me? Could it be me? How many Pauls are in this mole house? <laughs> Raise your hands, but it's so dark in there they can't see. <laughs> Who's got how many? How, how many have you got? Now click your hands. Okay, well, I'm confused. I'm hearing a lot of clicks. So you click them once each, but then not at the same time. One after the other, yeah. please. Oh, start again. <laughs> I've lost count. Uh, and Paul, the final boy, is the final boy. Oh, the final boy, the last ever boy. Wow. So, um, um, what 
the rich people have done to Paul is they've frozen him in time. Uh, <laughs> as we're all, as humanity starts to die out, they're realizing that eventually everyone's gonna be old and we'll have no boys left. And they're like, as all the poor, can you imagine? As all the poor in the world dies, they're all too old. Um, the rich people to uh, have babies, mm. so they've got the the final boy, uh, the forever boy, the forever boy. And that is Paul. So they share him around. Everyone gets a week with the boy, the forever boy. I want to just sit in your lounge room. Yeah. And you go, hey, that's that's the boy, the last ever boy we've got We've got him this week. Yeah, we've got the boy this week. Uh, do you want to go play catch, final boy? <laughs> yeah, that sort of stuff. So you get like one of those Velcro ball- balls and just throw it at the tank that's yeah. that Paul's th- frozen in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, your picture. <laughs> oh, you watch, I was imagining he was, he was frozen in some sort of tank. Like, That's funny. like Austin Powers style when he's thawed out. I was thinking they had the technology so that they could just like go, you you don't age now. But that yours is much funnier. <laughs> you, said the, you said the phrase frozen in time. Frozen in time. But you just meant he'll never age. He'll never age, yeah. So no, yours is much funnier. Paul is in a tank. I imagine the way I fra- phrase that, I think most people listening are like, yeah, we also were picturing a boy in a block. How do you, how do you play? Catch. Um, well, thanks to all our great boys, <laughs> all the best boys, the all best, all boys, best boys in my heart. Yeah, they each had a different title, but all in all, all best the boys. best boys. Thank you so much to Paul, Kaziah, Rowan, Kylie, Harrison, Rebecca, Garrett, Andrew, Ariel, and Alex. Last thing we need to do, Dave, is welcome a few people into the Triptych Club. This week, it looks like we have seven inductees. Now, do you want to explain what this thing's all about? Oh, basically, this is our, our Hall of Fame, our Triptych Club, where we celebrate people that have been supporting the show for three consecutive years. We've already given them a shout out, but to, to enshrine them in our Hall of Fame, we welcome them in, into the clubhouse. Their name goes up on a wall. Everyone cheers them as they come in. It's a real theatre of the mind experience. Jess is behind the bar, got food and snacks. I book music. Matt's there hanging out with you, playing some snooker, playing yeah. some foosball. Mm. You know, there's, we've got the, the big game, whatever you want it to be, up on the screen. It's the Game's there. Exactly. The biggest game. We have the biggest game of all. Exactly. We've got the game of life. Yes. We've got secret cameras in people's homes <laughs> and we put them up. This is what I imagine rich people do. Yeah, just, wa- just watch people. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's real um, Katniss Aberdeen stuff. Yeah. I can only ever remember one piece of that world. It's right tennis. now, I can't think of the name of it. The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. It's a real Hunger Games scenario. <laughs> Suzanne Collins. Sometimes I just remember the the- Bird or whatever, but I now I can't remember that bit. My brain only ever has room for one part. One bit. Well, you've got Katniss. That's that. That's that's a good part. No, you've pushed that bit out by saying Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so we've got seven inductees this week. Uh, Jess normally has uh, some food up behind the bar. She let us know that the food they're serving this week is fish and chips, you know, wrapped up in newspaper. Oh my gosh! And uh, the drinks are. They're newsy drinks and they're just made with uh, black and white and they're red all over um, the black, black Sambuca, the white <laughs> milk. This is exactly what I did last week. It was black, white and red and the red's cranberry juice. We've oh. rebadged it. No one drank them last week. <laughs> <laughs> it was a new name. Uh, and yes, and Dave, you've booked a band. You normally book You're a band. You're never going to believe it. This person has been gracing our screens for 35 years now. 35 years. 35 years. And uh, obviously, it takes a long time to book. This has been 35 years in the making, ever since I saw this man when he was but a boy. You're not talking about- I am talking about- Emily Browning? Star- No, even older. Star of Newsies. (gasps) 
Christian Bale is here to do a mixture of music and monologues. Oh, are any of the monologues him abusing the crew? (laughs) (laughs) That's the encore. That's the encore. (laughs) Him coming out and absolutely losing losing his mind at some poor crew member. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. Oh, and if you, you know, it could be you. So, so if you play a card, right, we'll get you on stage and, uh, you know, you'll have a camera in your hand and he'll come out and absolutely berate you. Oh, wow. That's that's the kind of stuff you can get. These are the once-in-a-lifetime opportunities you get inside the Triptych Club. That's right. And uh, for new listeners, we do now know that it's pronounced triptych. That's right. I it's just, a joke that we've yeah, always yeah. been in on. We've been in on it. My art teacher in high school just said it wrong. I've just said it wrong as well. So. <laughs> You've passed it on to so many people. <laughs> I, know, I know. We've even had someone comment before saying that they corrected someone yeah, that, who said triptych and they're like, um, actually it's triptych and then they were wrong. That gave me the old full body cringe. Yeah, I felt so bad for you. I'm so sorry. But take it up with Miss Dale. From- <gasps> Any relation to the from, cricketer? From Adam Dale. Oh my God. Maybe. Remember that's who I was thinking of, <laughs> a former student. I thought you were when you said Adam Dale. I thought Alan Dale, the Australian actor who was on <laughs> Neighbours and then The OC and Ugly Would you Betty believe that that is what I first typed into Google? I would believe that cricketer Alan Dale. It said, "Did you mean Adam Dale?" And I went, "Yes." And you're also confusing with the South African fast bowler Alan da- Dale Stain. Oh yeah. Another, or are you talking about Alan Donald? Anal- Alan Donald. <laughs> There's so many, so many. Anyway, we've got seven inductees this week. Dave's on stage. He's going to be hyping you up. The crowd's going to go wild. I'm on the door. I'm going to lift the velvet rope. I'm going to read your name off the list. Jog in. We want you getting up a bit of momentum uh, so you can really receive the adulation as it's intended, and that is with some force. <laughs> Some velocity. All right, here we go. First up, I'd love to welcome into the club from Minneapolis, Minnesota, in the United States, it's Zoe. Zoe is my broy. One of the great boys. <laughs> Next well, it's up a from- very boy episode, this one. <laughs> from St. Veit, St. Veit and Gulson in Austria. Incredible. It's Daniel Graham. Bam. Wham. Oh, no. Wham, bam. Thank you, Daniel Graham. <laughs> from Reservoir. In Victoria, here in Melbourne, Australia, it's Emilesque. Reservoir, never a bore, it's Emilesque. And from Rosetta in Tasmania, Australia, I'd love to welcome into the club. We met this man during the comedy festival, it's David Loring. An absolute delight. Nothing better from Rosetta, it's David Loring. (laughs) What a delight uh, catching the late flight. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Uh, I'd also love to welcome into the club from Brown Hill. Beautiful name for a place <laughs> in Victoria, <laughs> Australia. It's Paige Winkle. Turn the page. What do you see? It's Paige Winkle. <laughs> so, is anything? Turn the page. <laughs> what do you get? It's Paige Winkle. <laughs> Just move on. The, yeah. 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 Um, and from Address Unknown, I can only assume from deep within the fortress of the moles, it's Katie, possibly with the surname, starting with B. Uh, more like uh, Katie 180. So, oh, it's Katie 180. Yeah, Katie 180. Pretty good. You turn back around and come back in here because exactly. that's where we want you. you. Come on in. Turn the page, 180. <laughs> exactly. Winkle. <laughs> what about Winkle? There's something there. 
Oh, uh, sprinkle. <laughs> I need more than just a sprinkle of Paige Winkle. Yeah, fantastic. So, is there something there? <laughs> and finally, from Colleroy Plateau, New <laughs> South Wales. I've never heard of that. Here in Australia, it's Lucky Twos. Uh, the new Brocky, it's Lucky Twos. Lucky Twos or Lucky Twos? Lucky Twos. Uh, let me write some prose. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there once was a man named Lockie. <laughs> Is your prose in the form of a, of a dirty limerick? It's a dirty limerick. <laughs> uh, thank you so much and welcome to the club. Please make yourselves at home. Grab some fish and chips. Grab one of our leftover cocktails. <laughs> Get ready to be berated by Christian Bale. <laughs> Lockie, Katie, Paige, David, Emilesque, Daniel and Zoe. Uh, you're in here for life. <laughs> Sorry, but you, why would you want to leave? Why would you want to leave? It's everything you want. No one's ever asked to leave yet. Thank God. Um, that's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. You can always get in contact at any time. Do go on pod.com. That's the website. We've got links to our Patreon. We've got links to all the other shows that we do on this little network that we've started. Who knew it with Matt Stewart's hit one one year anniversary? Yes, we celebrated uh, by reuniting the first ever uh, triple triptych of guests, Dave Warnicky. Jess Perkins, Sarangia Mana. A lot of fun. It was that was so much fun. Book cheats back out and happening. I've just recently done an episode on M- uh, Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar. With who? With my wife, <laughs> Gabriella White. Came on. My white. <laughs> my white, Gabriella. And yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, heavy book, but I think we we still had a good time on it. And I've got a bunch more episodes coming up soon. And, yeah, so there's links on our website, dogoonpod.com. You can also buy merchandise, suggest a topic, all these things. But Anyone can suggest a topic. Anyone. And, you know, you might be going, oh, I, can't, I, I don't have the cash to pledge on Patreon. No problem at all. No pressure. There is zero pressure. But something you can do if you wanted to is um, maybe send your favourite episode to a friend who you think might enjoy it. Or your mum. Or yeah. your son or other. Exactly. Maybe your favourite boy. Your be- you send it to your best boy. But make sure it's an age-appropriate episode. You can also give us uh, five-star reviews. and um- Yeah, that's nice. You can do it on Spotify these days. I don't know if you know that. You can now re- you can give reviews on Spotify, on Apple, probably on an- another app too. Yeah. Uh, and you can also comment on Spotify. Oh, yeah. I asked the question, what... What did you like about this episode and where should we tour next? Good one. You mm. got some good responses? Had some fascinating responses. Right. Look forward to going through those with you as I hit stop on this recording. So, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. We are but a week or two away from Blockbuster Tober now. Holy moly. So, get excited for that. It's going to be a big year of blockbusting and blowvembering. <laughs> ah, back for another one of those blockbusting uh couple of months of to go on. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Until next time, also, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 